I don't do what I do the way I do it because I orchestrate it. Yeah, amen. I'm right. just trying to do what God's done. Yeah, amen. 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 That's, That's right. just the way He's made me. He didn't make me to do a little old quiet house in That's just the way I am. Amen. amen. That's okay if you are. That's okay. That's just not what I am. Right. Yeah. So, uh, I don't try to speed up or slow down. I just try to be what God's done. Right. Amen. I don't feel to put on that. Just come to preach, and when I get to preaching, right, I trust He just takes over. Right, yes, everybody. Amen. He just takes over. Book of Revelation. Last night I took you to the first book, the book of Genesis. Right. That is the study of first things. Right. The study of first things. Right. We talked about the law of first mention and how that. Anytime God mentions something in the Scripture the first time, it remains consistent all the way through Scripture to the last time. That's the law, folks. Tonight, dearly beloved, I want to go to the other end of the book. You've heard it said, and rightfully so, that we've read the last chapter. That Jesus wins... Anything and everything and everyone else loses. I'm glad I'm on the Lord's side. I'm glad that when it's all said and done, the smoke clears. By His grace, I'll stand with Jesus on the other side. It is in Him we live and move and have our being. So I want you to go to the last book of the Bible and I want you to go to the last chapter of the Bible, and we'll almost read to the last verse. Begin reading in verse number 7. Revelation 22, verse number 7. If you have an old Schofield Bible, that's page 1352. Behold, I come quickly. You stand. I'm sorry, forgive me. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. He's talking about the book of Revelation. Now John saw these things and heard thee. When I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. Then saith he unto me, the angel says to John, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant. This angel's telling John, I'm no different than you, I'm just a servant of God. And of thy brethren, the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book. Once again, he's talking about the book of Revelation. You know, in the first chapter, he said he God promised a blessing to those that read and those that hear the words of the prophecy of this book. This is a very special book. As a matter of fact, we live in a day where we have people who think they're prophets and prognosticators. They like to make all these prophecies. And I want you to know, in your hand tonight, you have a more sure He goes on to say in verse 10, And he saith unto me, 
Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Once again, he's talking about the book of Revelation. For the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. Here's the second time now. And behold, I come quickly. My reward is with me. Give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha. He's repeating what he said in the first chapter. And Omega. And then he defines those two Greek words. The beginning and the end. The first and the last. Blessed are they that do His commandments. Now He stretches the landscape, so to speak. He's not just talking about the book of Revelation here. He's talking about the Bible. He's talking about the law and the Psalms and the prophets. His commandments. That they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. What city is he talking about? He's already uh, revealed this city in chapter 21, verse 1. He's talking about the New Jerusalem. The New Jerusalem. And look what he goes on to say. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and and whosoever make, loveth and maketh a lie. Those are, these are they that he's talking about at the end of chapter 20 who are cast into the lake of fire. The great white throne judgment. I, Jesus, verse 16, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. It's amazing. This book is written to the church. The church is special to Jesus. He loved the church. He died for the church. He's coming again for the church. The Greek word for church is ecclesia. Right. A called out assembly. Yes. Right. The body is universal, right. but the church is local. Right. You cannot assemble with a universal body, right. but you can a local church. Right. I am the root and the offspring of David. Right. Gives us his lineage. And the bride and the morning star. Right. And the spirit and the bride say, Come and let him that is a thirst come. Right. Let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Isn't it beautiful? The Bible closes out with an invitation to come to Christ. With an invitation to be saved. With an invitation to the grace of God. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words. Now he's talking about the book of Revelation again. Of this pro- of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these... God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in the book. If any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life. He's not talking about losing their salvation. He's not talking about losing their salvation. I believe everyone's name is written in the book of life, but when you die without Christ in certain instances like this, your name is blotted out. That's what John's saying here. And he goes on to say, God shall take away his part out of the book of life 
out of the holy city. Right. Boy, I tell you what, that rocks the Calvinist world right, right there. Yeah. Right. And from the things which are written in this book. Right. <laughs> he which testified these things, say it here, it is the third time, surely. Right. I come quickly. Amen. Right. Amen. So yeah. be it. Amen. Even so come. Amen. Lord Jesus, Amen. Father, bless the reading of your word tonight. Give me wisdom. I need your help. I cannot do this without you. Clear my mind and my thoughts. Loose my tongue tonight. And may the Spirit of God be the controller and the thermostat of my heart. As the Word of God goes forth, bring conviction. Lord, I pray, dear God, that you might delve deeply into the hearts of the souls of men. There's somebody here tonight that is lost without God. I pray that tonight may be the night of their salvation. For Christians, that we would cease from sin. God, that we would, Lord, that we would become repentant, dear Lord, of our apathy and our complacency. And oh God, that we would embrace the truth of these Scriptures tonight and allow it to be fleshed out in our lives on a daily basis. We'll be careful to give you the praise and thanks. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 I'm not going to ask you to turn there, but I'm going to go back to the beginning of the book for just a minute and make my way to the end. It's very important that we do so. Last night we preached on the rapture of the church, the coming of the Lord for His people. And we showed you where that is here in the book of Revelation. But if you remember in chapter 1 in verse number 19, we told you that John gives us an outline of this book as a Bible student, as a preacher that tries to practice expositional preaching. I wish every book in the Bible were outlined so clearly as the book of Revelation is. I'm not telling you that I understand everything about the book of Revelation. Because I don't. The book of Revelation is a literal book. It has some allegorical language. But much and most of the language of the book of Revelation is literal. That's right. But in chapter 1 and verse 19, he divides the book and tells us that it's basically divided into three sections. He said, write the things which thou hast seen. He's talking about what John's seeing that day on the Isle of Patmos. He's talking about the historical or the past. We told you that's chapter 1. Then he said, write the things which are. And this started when Jesus Christ left this earth. Jesus came to this earth to fulfill the law and He died under the curse of the law. I personally believe, though He laid the foundation and the principles for the church, I don't believe the church was ignited and really started up onto the day of Pentecost. And that's where John is living right now. He's living in the age of the church. We told you that is chapters 2 and 3. And that is the present. So we have chapter 1, the past. Chapters 2 and 3, the present. 
We told you chapters 2 and 3 were the church age. I'm a dispensationalist in my theology. I'm not ultra-dispensational. I don't believe you can put God in any box. God's going to do what He wants to, when He wants to, where He wants to, and unto whom He wants to. But I did not write the Bible. God did. And God uses the word dispensation. And all it means is a period of time. And here's what dispensationalism is. It is simply this. We believe that God spoke to different people at different times and in different ways. The greatest biblical proof of that in definition is Hebrews 1 and 1 where he says this, God who at sundry times, times, and in divers manners, manners, spake unto us in times past, Israel, Jew, hath in these last days, now, us, the Gentiles spoken unto us by His Son. His Son is the living Word. The Bible is the written Word. To that end, John, the same writer, said this, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. Who was the Word? Verse 14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us as we beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. My friends, tonight, Jesus is the Word and the Word is Jesus. Amen. Amen. Seven different literal local churches. At the end of the church age, we find ourselves in Laodicea. Right, amen. And what do we find in Laodicea? A church that thought it was rich and increased with goods, had need of nothing, but was poor, wretched, naked, blind. Didn't even know that it was complacent and apathetic. That's where we are tonight, folks. According to the words of Paul to young Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, we've come to an age when they will not endure sound doctrine, but will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears they're going to look for somebody who will scratch their ears. We're living in the days of apostasy. Apostasy is not only going to come, it's here. Paul said the time will come, the time has come. That's where we are tonight, my friend. We're at the end of chapter number 4. And what's Jesus doing? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Any man hear my voice, let him open the door. I will come in. I don't believe he's talking to sinners there. I believe he's talking to the church there. In Ephesus, he was in the midst of the church. And by the end of the church age at Laodicea, he's been invited to leave. But he wants back in. To God be the glory. He's knocking on the door of the church tonight. And he wants us to willingly open our hearts and let him back in the midst. So that saints can be revived and refreshed, restored and renewed, and so that sinners can be redeemed. Amen. Yes, sir. That's right. We told you that the third section starts with chapter four, and the key word is the word hereafter. Hereafter. The third section is write the things which shall be hereafter. Past chapter one. Present chapter two. 
past chapter 4 right, to the end of the or, or perpetual chapter 4 right, to the David. end of the book. Right, we David. told you right. last night right, that David. chapter 4 begins with what? The rapture of the church. The catching away of the saints. There's a door open in heaven. There's a trumpet that sounds. There's a shout that goes out. And the voice cries, Come up hither. John leaves this earth. John goes into heaven. And everything that takes place on this earth, John views from heaven. Much like the saints during the tribulation period. We're not going to be here. We're going to be in heaven with our Lord. Who's the Antichrist, preacher? I don't know and I don't care. I'll never see Him anyway. It really doesn't matter, friend. I'm going to be with the Christ. By the way, no matter whether the Antichrist thinks He's in control or not, God is on the throne. He's in control. He's running this show. But we come to this last section. Right, amen. And we see that it is dominated by one thing. Right, amen. It is dominated by the theme of the coming of the Lord. Amen. Or the second coming of Christ. Right, amen. The second advent of the Lord. Right, amen. We told you that that second advent yes, consists right, of two different Appearances of Christ. Right. Right. Number one, it begins with the rapture. Right. The rapture. We showed you that last night in chapter 4. We showed you that in Genesis chapter number 5 as we showed you Enoch, a type of the rapture. Immediately after the rapture, chapters 4 and 5, there's a gathering in heaven. Two things are going to take place in heaven during that time. Number one, the Bema Seat of Jesus Christ described by Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 are the, are the judgment seat of Christ that will be performed upon Christians, believers that have been raptured and resurrected out of this world, their works will be tried by fire. That which is done for the glory of God will be purified like gold, silver, and precious stone. That which has been done for the flesh will burn like wood, hay, and stubble. No wonder there will be tears in heaven that day when many of us will be ashamed when the when the cover is pulled back and the wool is pulled back and we all see what we really are. Yes, sir. Immediately after the judgment seat of Christ, the bride is inspected for her purity. She has been found pure in the blood of Jesus Christ. We're going to go into God's glorious dining room and we're going to sit down at a table and we're going to eat of the marriage supper of the Lamb. You say, what kind of food are we going to eat? You're not going to care what kind of food we're going to eat. It's going to be heavenly food. And Christ Himself shall serve us. That's what's going to take place friend in chapters 4 and 5 and it's mentioned again in chapter number 19. The judgment seat of Christ and the marriage supper of the Lamb. Chapter 6, the tribulation period starts. There's three different worldwide judgments that take place. Two-thirds of this world's population is destroyed. Now you stop and think about this. I can't see America anywhere in end time prophecy. Right. Right. Amen. 
Two-thirds of this world's population is destroyed. When Jesus comes back, the hub of government is going to be in the Middle East. It's going to be in the eastern sector of this world. I'm not saying for sure, but makes you wonder what's going to happen to America. If America doesn't have revival, and if America doesn't listen to God, America is going to be destroyed. It could be by a bomb. It could be some by something nuclear. And it could be that this nation just dissipates away into the League of Nations in this world and becomes nothing more than a third world country. But you mark it down, friend. When Jesus comes back, the hub of activity is not going to be in the West. It's going to be in the East. It will be a seven year period according to the book of Daniel. Seven year period called the Great Tribulation. It's the time of Jacob's trouble. It is all about Jacob. It is all about Israel to purify the nation of Israel and prepare her for the millennial reign. At the end of that seven years, the sky rolls back like a scroll. Jesus is on His white horse. We've left the dining room. We've come out from under His white tablecloths. We've mounted our white horses. Who are you talking about, preacher? I'm talking talking about the groom and his bride. I'm talking about the Lord and his church. And we're going to get on our white horses and we're going to come back to this earth and where are we headed? We're headed to Jerusalem and Jesus is going to ride that white horse through the eastern gate, set up his kingdom right on Temple Mount. And guess who's coming with him? The church is And guess who's going to run this show? The church is going to run this show. Hallelujah! To God be the glory! I told my wife the other day, I said, sweetheart, for the longest time, I've read that verse in Jude where it says that Lot's righteous soul was vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. I know the definition of the word vexed. But now in these days that you and I are living, I'm beginning to understand the condition of the word vexed. For if you're saved, friend, this world's not pleasing you right now. This world's not making you happy. It never has, really. But if you're saved by the grace of God, there's a heaviness that lays over our heart. And so you say, what is it, preacher? It is what Solomon said in the book of Proverbs. When the the wicked rule, the righteous mourn. There's mourning in Zion tonight. There's mourning in the church tonight. You know what our hearts ought to be crying? What John's crying in the end of the book. Even so come, Lord Jesus. That is our hope. That glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Not our government. Not another politician. We need to let go of America tonight. That's never been our hope. We're from a different world. This world is not our home. We're pilgrims just We're going home to His world. That's where our world is. Yes, When he gets here, right. he's going to take the devil. Brother Gary called him smutty fuss. <laughs> that's what Billy Sunday called him. Yeah, that's right. He said, old Billy Sunday, 
being an ex-baseball player and leading the American League in stolen bases in 1917. Billy Sunday comes sliding in behind the pulpit and do a pop-up slide, slide, put his fist out and say, come on out of hell, smutty face, let's fight a few days. I like that. I like that. No pacifist in me, brother. I like a fighter. We need some fighters in this day and time. Old smutty face is going to be bound up, brother Larry. Yes, And cast into the bottom of his pit for a thousand years. Just to show you, we blame a lot on the devil that's right, nothing but filthy man. flesh. Yes. Right. Because even when the devil's gone, this old sinful nature is still going to be alive. Right. And to show you the depth of it, the Lord's going to rule with a rod of iron. Yes. What does that mean? There's still going to be rebellion, but there's not going to be any choice. God's going to hem them in with a rod of iron. For a thousand years, we'll rule and reign with Jesus. At the end of that thousand years, the old heaven and the old earth pass away. They melt with fervent heat. There's found no place for them. Why? Because they're fleeing from Him who sits on a great white throne. The dead of all the ages, all lost people from all the ages, will be called out of the sea. Their bodies will be called out of the bottom of the sea in the sediment of the sea. Their bodies will be called out of the graves all around the world. Their souls will be called out of hell. They'll be reunited united, my friend, at the great white throne judgment. And they, dearly beloved, will be judged. And the criteria is, is their name written in the book of life? And when it's found not to be so, and the, and the evidence against them is the book that contains their works, they'll be cast into the lake of fire where the devil is, where the false prophet is, where the beast is. Amen. That's yeah. right. That's right, brother. And all of a sudden, praise the Lord. John said, I looked and beheld. Yeah. There's a new heaven and a new earth. That's right, amen. A new Jerusalem in the same old Texas. Right, no, that's not what he said. I'm just going. <laughs> a new heaven. Right, amen. A new earth. Amen. And a new Jerusalem. Yes, coming down from God out of heaven. In chapter 21 and 22, he describes what that city is going to be like. He describes what that new heaven and that new earth is going to be like. And then we come to the end of the book of Revelation. And what do we find? You know what we find? John, Jesus is telling John what he needs to do until Jesus. That's what I want to preach on. Right, amen. I want to preach on what you and I need to be doing while we're waiting for Jesus to come. It's evident that John is waiting for Jesus to come. He hears all these things. And he said, He which testifies these things saying, Surely I come quickly. And then he said, Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. That ought to be our cry tonight. We ought to be looking for Jesus to come. We ought to be longing for Jesus to come. We ought to be
be waiting for Jesus to come. But He doesn't want us to crawl up on a mountain somewhere and dig a hole and store a bunch of food. He doesn't want us to dig a hole in the ground and hide from trouble. No, sir. We're the light of the world and the salt of the earth. He wants us to go out into this world and in the face of adversity and in the face of these devils preach the gospel of Christ to them and stand up for Jesus Christ in these days. Be counted for the glory. Jesus Himself said this in the book of Luke when speaking of this very subject. He said, Occupy. So here's John at the end of the book. He sees all these things. He knows what's going to happen. And he's looking heavenward. <laughs> While we're waiting. For Jesus to come. Well, there's five thoughts I want to magnify from the text tonight. And those thoughts are these. Number one, the Lord wants us to walk submissively. Walk submissively. I'll come back and show you this. Number two, the Lord wants us to worship frequently. Worship frequently. Number three, the Lord wants us to witness urgently. Witness urgently. Number four, the Lord wants you and I to work fervently. Work fervently. Number five, God wants you and I to watch expectantly. There it is. I want to show you from verse 10 to verse number 20 what the Lord tells John to do while he's waiting for his coming. I want to say first of all what God wants wanted John to do and what the Lord wants us to do tonight while we're waiting for Him to come is to walk submissive. Notice the phrase in verse 7. Keepeth the same. Keepeth the saints. Look what he says in verse number 9. Of them which keep the saints. Keep the saints. Notice if you will with me dearly beloved in verse number 18. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. And then in verse number 14 he said blessed are they. And look at this. This is just another version of the word keep. Blessed are they that do His commandments. I submit to you tonight that what God wants you and I to do while we wait for Jesus to come is to walk submissively to the Word of God. To live our lives in accordance with what this book teaches. And to submit ourselves to it. 
right. to keep Amen. the sayings of this book. Yes. Right. There's Amen. two reasons why, my friend. You and I need to walk submissively because of the author of this book. The author of this book. In verse 14, He calls it His commandments. His commandments. These aren't men's commandments. These are God's commandments. Man didn't write this book. God wrote this book. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration and is profitable for doctrine, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect and truly furnished unto all good works. In 1 Peter 1 and 18, He said, Our prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That word move literally means to be picked up and carried. They didn't write this book. They just took spiritual dictation while the Holy Ghost breathed it into their ears and into their heart and into their hands. And off the end of their pens onto the papyrus paper of Holy Ghost. God is the author of this book. And that's reason enough alone for you and I to submit ourselves to it. I stand amazed at people who say, Well, I know what the Bible says, but... You know who does a lot of button? Goats. Not sheep. I'm afraid that's what we got a lot of in our churches. We got a lot of goats that want to be sheep, but you'll never get to be a sheep till you get born again. Get a new heart. Something wrong with somebody that doesn't love this book. Something wrong with somebody that doesn't have a desire to live according to what this book says. Amen. If you don't want to, you may very well you've never been saved by the grace of God. You're fooling yourself with proud religion. You've never humbled yourself at the foot of the cross. Calvary's never conquered your heart. That's right. Amen. We should submit ourselves to this book. Right, amen. Not only because of its author, but because of its authority. Right, amen. At least if you know Him, it's got authority. Yeah. Right. Amen. 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 You know, my daddy gave me a good definition of authority when I was a little boy. <laughs> we need to go back there. Yes. One of the things I despise about this day is we're making gods out of our children. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Right. Children are running our homes. That's right. Children are taking our parents to Little League ballparks on yeah. Sunday that's instead right. of to the house of God and to and to dance studios to learn to do the ballet. <laughs> you might just ballet your way right into hell, my friend. Yeah. Not even go to the house right. of God. Right. Right. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying the Bible's got the word holds no authority. In anybody's life, but it's not the Bible's fault, it's what's in here or what's not in here. We should submit ourselves not only because of the author, but because of its authority. He used the word commandments. His commandments, the author and its authority. He didn't say his suggestions, he didn't just say his good thoughts. Right, amen. He didn't just say his hopeful wishes. Right, amen. He said his commandments. Amen. Amen. What he said. Jesus said, He it is that loveth me. That's uh-huh. right, brother. Amen. But he that heareth these sayings of mine and right. doeth it. Right. Right. James said, Be a doer of the word. 
and not a hearer only. For if any man be a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he deceiveth. He deceiveth himself. There's some people sitting in our churches, they're deceiving themselves because they've never been saved. They try to talk themselves into it. Well, I thank God for the day when I quit having to talk myself into it and He began to tell me that I was saved. Larry, my wife and I went to the Holy Land in 99 and Brother Lester Hudson took a young lady with him, 19 years old, out of his right, church. Dang. And everywhere we went, she sang. Right, Brother Larry, I'll never forget what she sang in the garden that day. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And the voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses. Now He walks with me and He talks with me and He tells me I am His own God. To God be the glory. Amen. Amen. What does Jesus want us to do while we're waiting for Him to come? Yeah, submissively. Not go buy a bunch of groceries and fill your pantry. My wife asked me the other day, Mark, do you think we ought to go buy a bunch of groceries and fill our pantry up? I said, sweetheart, the Scripture says I've not seen the righteous forsaken or his his seed begging bread. God's not pushing the panic button and neither should we. We need to keep on traveling and keep on preaching and keep on serving and living for Jesus Christ. Preaching this book, trusting the Lord. We need to keep giving our time and our faith promise. We need to keep sacrificing. We just keep need to keep walking ahead. What's good in the sunshine is good in the dark. What's good on the mountain Mountain top is good in the valley. God, Brother Roloff used to say, is good all the time. Amen. I said, keep your money, sweetheart. Go buy you a Sonic slushy. <laughs> and while you're there, get me a Chick Fil A milk. <laughs> Number two, what should we be doing while we're waiting for Jesus to come? Right, amen. Worshiping. Amen. What he said in verse 9, Then saith he unto me, See thou do it not. Amen. For I am thy fellow servant. Yeah. And of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book. And look what he says. Yeah. Worship God. God. Amen. It's not. This is not my friend. A suggestion. Right, this is a command. Yes, right, you and I are commanded to worship right, God. Amen. That's the problem I have with closing our churches and not coming to church, whether it's COVID or no COVID. The problem I have with it is God has commanded us to forsake not the assembling, ecclesia, the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. You and I are commanded to worship God just like we're commanded to pray, commanded to read the Scriptures, commanded to go to the house of God, commanded to be a witness. And friend, if you love Christ, you ought to want to do what He tells you. One of the things we ought to be doing is worship. 
I want you to notice the person of worship. He said, worship God. Who is God? He's one God who is three. He's Father, Son, and Spirit. And brother, the Bible tells us that in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead body. When you get to heaven, you're not going to see three gods because there's only one God. He's manifested in three persons. But all three persons of that one God are going to dwell bodily in Jesus. When we get to heaven, we're going to see Jesus. Amen? That's what worship is all about. It's all about Him. Giving glory to Him. Lavishing praise upon Him. Seeing Him. Healing ourselves. Amen. Can you say amen and say oh me? Yeah, come on. Come on. Good You know what's saying? People come up to me all the time. Right, Well, I used to hear preaching like that all the time. Yeah. I don't want to say what happened to it. Where did it go? Right, I've had people get up and walk out on me when I'm preaching. Right. And I've told them, you know what, I, when I was a boy, if you didn't preach like I do, I'd have walked out on you too. <laughs> I didn't want to hear no dumb dog that wouldn't bark, a little panty-waisted, yellow, backboneless, spineless preacher that's where, where they're working for a paycheck and afraid to tell the truth. Let me tell you something, friend. Worship isn't just getting in church and getting up and clapping your hands and getting all worked up emotionally and walking out, walking in the same sin and living in the right, same sin that you've been living in. Right. Worship is all about coming, seeing Him. Yeah. Let Him show yeah. you yourself. Falling yeah. under conviction. Yeah. Getting right with Him yeah. and walking out of here. Brings me to the posture yeah. of worship. Right, Verse number 8, He said, I fell down at His feet. It's yeah. right, a picture of obedience. Right, that is a picture of submission. That is a picture of yielding. Christ paints that picture for us in the Garden of Gethsemane. When He goes off a stone's throw to pray, He says, Father, if possible, let this cup, this cup of death. He knew He was going to be separated from the Father for the first time and the last time. In all eternity, God would be out of fellowship with God. It laid heavy upon His soul. And He said, Father, if possible, let this cup pass from Me. Nevertheless, I will, but it's thou will be done. Submission, obedience. He bowed, John said, I bowed at his feet. That is what worship. What would you have me to do? Where do you want me to go? Yes, sir. What do I need to do? Right. Lord, what is it that you have for me? Right, amen. What is it? Right, that you would expect of me. Yes, sir. <coughs> Isaiah painted a picture. Right, amen. And it was during worship, Gary. Right. He saw the Lord in his train right, filled with He amen. fell under Holy Ghost conviction. Right, and he amen. fell on his face and he said, Woe is me, right. for I am undone. And then he said, Here am I, Lord. Here am I. That's worship. Worship isn't just get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus. Oh, why don't you shut up? You don't mean that. You're going to walk right out and do what you've been doing. 
Spirit. You don't need a change up here. You need a change in here. That's what worship is. And that's what the Lord wants us to do. Yes, sir. That's good, Dr. John Phillips was a pretty good friend of mine. I didn't know him as well as others. Right, amen. He preached for us one night there at Parkwood. Boy, you never heard such a message on the book of Ruth. Mm-hmm. He got in the car with me. He said, Brother, he was Welsh. Brother, brother, what is it? What is this? This worship leader stuff. I thought the Holy Ghost was the worship. <laughs> I said, you think right, Dr. Phillips. We're real good in this day and time and all this superficiality. Setting all the moods. Doing all the right things to create all the right emotional responses. Instead of pounding on the doors of people's hearts with right, a massage yeah. in their sackies and everybody leaves feeling real good. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's not worship. That's not, no, worship. That's not worship. Worship is meeting with God. Amen. You ought to worship daily. You ought not just to worship when you're here at church. You ought to worship when you're at home. Brother Gary said it tonight. You ought to worship in the quiet recesses of your heart. You ought to steal away from Jesus and go into the throne room of grace on a daily basis. And you need to worship weekly, my friend. You need to come together with God's people wherever they are and wherever they may be. Get on your face before God. Say, change me tonight, oh God. Don't tell me what's good about me. That's worship. Yes, amen. Amen. Not only do we need to walk submissively, worship frequently, but we need to witness. Very interesting proposition in verse number 10. He saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, the book of Revelation. Does that remind you of another book? Daniel. Mm-hmm. Daniel is a count is a, is a co-part to the book right. of Revelation. What Daniel is in shadow, Revelation is in substance. Right. And at the end of the book of Daniel, if you remember what he said, it said, "Seal these books up. Yeah. Right. Seal these sayings up, for the time is not now. Right. It's not time for." It. Right. Then you come to the end of this book, and John's Jesus tells John. Don't seal this book out. Take it into the highways, byways, and hedges. Take it into the public places. Preach it. Tell it. Let the people know I'm coming again. And my reward is with me to give to everybody. There's two reasons why we need to witness her, children. Number one, because the time is at hand. He says it at the end of verse 10. Well, the time is at hand. What time is He talking about? He's talking about the coming of the Lord. Jesus is coming, folks. There's a real heaven and there's a real hell. And people that die without Christ really go to hell. And Jesus is coming. And only the saved are going. And those that aren't saved will believe the lie of the Antichrist. God will send strong delusion upon them. And they'll be eternally lost. Doomed to an eternity without God. 
right, Mike. Yep. That's right. Amen. The time right. is. Amen. Yeah. Right. Amen. This Amen. When was the last time you passed out a gospel? Right. Yeah. Felt the tug in your heart to stop and tell somebody about Jesus. Right. Amen. But not only because the time is at hand or now, right. but because of the terror of the Lord. Right. Amen. For a long time, I struggled with verse number 11. Right. Amen. But I believe the Lord's given me some insight on it. Because here's what He says, He that is unjust, right. let him be unjust still. Right. Amen. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. Right, he that is righteous, let him be righteous still, and he that is holy, let him be holy still. You know what the right, Lord's amen. saying there? He said the time is at hand. Right, amen. And when I come, however I find you, right, amen. you right, right. that's how you're going to speak. Right. 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 If you're filthy, you're always going to be. Right. If you're holy, you're always going to be. Right. Right. That's what Jesus is saying. Right. Yeah. The terror of you know what Paul said about that? Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade. He said, My heart is squeezed like a spring. Knowing the terror of the Lord, knowing the judgment to come, knowing the end of the unrighteous, I persuade men. He said, I've kept back nothing that is profitable unto you, but from house to house, I've taught you repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm free! I'm guiltless of the blood of all men. Yes, amen. Whether in a Roman jail cell and house of witness, or whether in the hall of Festus, Felix in a grip. Boy, I just stood there the other day in Caesarea Maritime. I stood there in the very room where Paul stood before Agrippa and Felix and Festus, where they slapped him because he raised his voice too loud and 